Hey guys, it's Dan Martin again, and it's on education. And today uh, we are going to uh, talk about uh, ways to improve the intrinsic motivation of your students. And in the last video, we talked about uh, motivation from several different perspectives. And we talked about uh, the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And what we said was that intrinsic motivation uh, is one uh, that uh, a student has that is based upon the love of learning itself or learning to improve one's super ego. Uh, one, uh, the student uh, really enjoys uh, learning a particular topic and, and is really interested in it. And then with the super ego part is that the student wants to improve their uh, abilities and talents and also to make progress toward being a better person uh, as versus extrinsic motivation, which is based on a reward only, uh, maybe a grade or maybe a parent paying them to learn something or maybe some other construct in between where the student just learns the material because they have to uh, in terms of getting a diploma. And so uh, we're going to be talking about an article that is entitled 25 Ways to Increase Intrinsic Motivation by Sarah Briggs. And this is an article from Informed Ed, and they have a lot of really good uh, resources there. Uh, let's start off with a quote. I think that that's always fun. Education is not the filling of a bucket, but the lighting of a fire. And so uh, I think that that is a really cool a cool way of looking at education, and that is a quote by W.B. Yates, and uh, he is uh, a noted scholar and a cool quote indeed. All right, so let's jump in. Uh, number one, she says, rethink reward. Science has proven that the simple mechanical tasks reward incentives students to perform well, but for tasks that require thinking outside the box, reward leads to poor performance. And, and we kind of saw that in our discussion of motivation uh, and that, you know, you could you could uh, reward a, a student, um, maybe have a ice cream party or something like that for just like the basic skills that are needed uh, to uh, to progress and move on to higher levels. But then when it came to things that uh, students tend to struggle with, a little higher order thinking and so forth, that the intrinsic uh, motivation works best. And if they really love something and see it being of great benefit to them, uh, they're more likely to work hard even when the going gets tough. Number two, and I didn't know uh, about this, but it makes sense. Uh, it's called the, uh, and if I mispronounce it, uh, you can let me know in the comments. Altrasian, Altrasian autonomy. <laughs> the, alter, uh, the Australian software company Altrasian holds FedEx days where engineers are expected to work on anything that they want uh, for 24 hours and then they have to report back to their bosses what they found. And they say many of the most lucrative ideas are born in these overnight uh, deliveries of creativity. Try something like this with your students and we did talk about this whole thing of having an autonomous t 
type of atmosphere in your classroom where the student takes some control for their own learning. And uh, we talked about in the Higher Order Thinking podcast about how you can design uh, kind of open-ended projects for students to work and elevate their thinking and apply the concepts. And we, we also talked about having to be really selective with those because those generally take a long period of time to develop. But this whole thing of autonomy, uh, having students uh, feel like that they can study something that they are really interested in um, uh, as it relates to your topic is really a cool uh, idea. And I think one that increases the intrinsic motivation of students. Okay, so it says here, uh, making mastery cool, as Ashton Kircher <laughs> revealed to us in, all in a recent Teen Choice Award speech, the sexiest thing in the world is being smart. So this is item number four, and I think uh, uh, celebrating knowledge, celebrating the acquisition of knowledge and skills, uh, working toward uh, this higher level thinking should be one in which uh, you develop an atmosphere in your classroom where you praise students and also uh, highlight the accomplishments of, of those in society to obtain knowledge and, and to really celebrate that. Uh, number five, a higher purpose. Students who feel they're working towards greater good or something larger than themselves may have an easier time staying motivated. And I think that this is um, a really neat aspect um, in chemistry, you know, we could talk about environmental issues. Uh, we could talk about energy consumption. Uh, we could do any number of things to relate it to things that are happening out in society today that we need to be aware of. Um, number six, make students feel like education is a choice, not a requirement. Uh, in this one, um, they said if you have a bunch of non-engaged students, as simple as it sounds, remind them that they're making the right choice by showing up and working hard. Um, and of course, with teenagers, um, you know, your classroom ranks down at the bottom of their priorities, probably. And so just let them know and uh, praise them for working hard on things and uh, being in your class and, and working towards the goal, even if it's an extrinsic goal of making good grades. Okay, so number seven says, for learning management, expect self-direction, not compliance. Uh, it happens, classes get out of hand, even online ones, but, motivated but motivating students to follow the rules by threatening or goading won't help students in the long run. Help them become more self-directed so they will end up com uh, complying as a result of their own genuine efforts. All right, so in this, um, you know, going back to a previous podcast, we, we talked about the autonomous classroom versus the autocratic classroom and how uh, you need to foster an atmosphere of self-direction in your classroom and having the students take their own, uh, take responsibility for their own learning. And so I'll tell you just like a little brief story here about one of my students a uh, long, long time ago. Uh, I had a maybe the second or third year that I taught. I had a student uh, that, uh, a young lady, and, and she was uh, struggling to stay awake in the classroom, struggling to get her work done. She was always sleeping, and I was always a little frustrated with her and having to goad her <laughs> uh, to, uh, to work. And uh, finally, one day, I, I just decided, 
you know, to hold her back after class and ask her what was going on. She she wasn't being a discipline problem, and uh, she was always respectful. And, and she said that she was working at a local restaurant at night and always having to close. Uh, and I said, well, you know, do you do you have to have the job? Do you? And she said she did. She said that uh, she was helping pay family bills and they needed her income. And I felt really bad for her. And I said, well, I said, uh, I tell you what, why don't we work out uh, that you can, uh, you know, sleep part of the classroom and then be awake, uh, you know, be awake the first 30 minutes of the classroom and the last uh, 40 minutes you can, you can either take a nap or you can do something else. And, and she looked at me and really puzzled. She said, nobody's ever uh, struck a deal with me like that. And I said, well, I said, you're doing everything that you can do, uh, but you do need to find some time to study uh, because your grades are really suffering. And so I said, I'm going to leave it up to you, you know, to, to pull them up. And uh, uh, she did. <laughs> she she just barely passed, but uh, but it was a, a good experience for us both. Um, so in the long run, students are going to have to take charge of their own lives. And uh, of course, I was teaching uh, sophomores and juniors in high school, so that makes it a lot easier. Uh, but uh, this autonomy type of thing and giving some students some choice and maybe what they study, uh, maybe how they're graded, I think will go a long way in increasing that intrinsic motivation. Uh, number eight says visualize and conquer. Have your students visualize a moment in their lives when they felt very proud of themselves for what for an accomplishment. Uh, and then uh, let them reenact <laughs> that uh, methodology to a new task. And so uh, I think most of the time when you have kids in your classroom, they'll have some some sort of accomplishment. You know, that survey at the beginning of your course, uh, uh, you know, letting you know what students are involved in outside of class or maybe uh, in the school with extracurriculars, you can uh, relate those things to uh, past successes and then uh, celebrate those, but then ask them, well, what do you need to do to be more successful in my classroom? And, and hopefully they will gain some uh, sense of, uh, of accomplishment in your classroom as well. Uh, you may run into a student that really says, I, I haven't been successful at anything. And so then you need to help them walk through the process. And then as they improve, even if it's not great improvements, you need to celebrate that with them. Maybe from going from a 50 on an exam to a 60 on an exam, you know, that may not sound a lot like you, um, but that's a big accomplishment for some kids. And so you need to value that as well. Okay, continuing on, it says here at the title of the slide, if you're, if you're watching on uh, YouTube, it says motivation equals success for every student. And so uh, when we look at this, uh, a lot of times students will uh, forget what you teach them in the classroom. But if you develop a set of skills and, and a growth mindset, if you can instill a growth mindset in students, you've accomplished a whole lot, no matter what they uh, remember from your content. So it says here, make every student feel capable. This may be a simple point but it's surely one of the most important. Some students feel incapable of completing a task before they even try it. 
And so this comes from a fixed mindset. They have in mind that maybe they're not very good at the subject that you're teaching them and that they can improve. And so by doing several different kinds of activities where you make gradual progress and praise that, uh, you can uh, certainly increase their mindset uh, to be more leaning toward a growth mindset. Uh, says here, you can do it, has perhaps been diluted over years. Try your try your capable, which speaks not only to the tacit hand, but to the student's sense of self-worth. Uh, and so uh, this this whole thing of, of increasing a student's um, resilience, uh, their ability to, to think and reason uh, is one that should always be in the back of your mind. And um, this, this thing about rewarding, uh, don't reward intelligence, but reward effort uh, is one that I think that you should really closely look at. And uh, if you haven't watched my, uh, my video uh, about increasing growth mindset and ways to increase the growth mindset, there's two of them, uh, I would strongly suggest you go back and look at those because they're closely uh, linked to this number nine. Uh, about making people feel capable. Number 10, uh, cooperate and competition. All right, now, so I think you need to be careful with this one. Uh, I'll read what she says, but then I'm gonna add to it here. It says, intrinsic motivation can be increased in situations where students gain satisfaction from helping their peers, and also in cases where they are able to compare their own performance favorably to that of others. <laughs> All right, so need to be careful uh, not to compare students uh, because every student uh, to me is very, very diff different. And um, to compare somebody uh, at the top end of your class in terms of performance uh, might be devastating to a student that's in the middle or the lower third. So be careful with that one. I do think that students uh, gain from uh, tutoring each other and helping uh, working cooperatively on on projects. And uh, certainly if you have a classroom where you have a lot of kids like 31, it really helps to pair them up sometimes in groups where you have somebody who is not only uh, a uh, somebody who is exceeding uh, your expectations in academics in the class, but it's also one that is empathetic to others and can help. Sometimes some of the strongest students aren't very empathetic and aren't very good uh, mentors to others. And so sometimes if you pair a, maybe a B or a C student with one that is not passing or making a D, that's better than to compare them with an A student. Not always, but sometimes. All right, okay. <laughs> So uh, this slide is entitled, Cultivate an Atmosphere Where It's Okay to Struggle. And so I always uh, told my students, uh, if you wanted to go to the gym and bench press 200 pounds, should you go in there and put 200 pounds on the bench and try to press it right away? <laughs> and, and of course, some of them you know, are you know, cocky athletes and they say, oh yeah, I can do that already. So that's no big deal. But I said, well, before you became the beast that you are today, could you go into the gym uh, as a 55 pound kid and bench 200 pounds? I said, well, of course not. And so uh, this is part of the learning process is that you've got to struggle some if you're ever going to 
reach that growth mindset. And so uh, the first thing here it says, uh, number 11 says, help students trust themselves to succeed. And so that goes back to you can do it, you're capable of doing it. Uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, uh, that not yet attitude. I don't have it yet, but I am going to get there. And you as a teacher need to project your confidence onto the kids to let them know, hey, I'm, a, I'm an excellent teacher. I'm not going to let you not get it. You need to hang in there and we'll get it together. Okay. Number 12 says, make an attainment of goals probable but uncertain. Okay, so the, this is that whole thing of scaffolding activities so kids can work their way up to higher and higher levels of understanding. Uh, and so I think you, you have to be careful to have a little something for everybody uh, in your classroom and uh, certainly move through these things and celebrate success all along the continuum of understanding. Um, and, you know, your own personal experience, bring that to them. Uh, don't over preach to kids, but, but let them know that you've struggled with things in the past too. And the only way to overcome those struggles is just to hang in there and work and get help from others. And, and just sometimes you just need to put it away for, for 15, 20 minutes and come back to it and that sort of thing. And so I think that those, uh, those ideas are certainly uh, great things to keep in mind as you're moving towards students with intrinsic motivation. Okay, so uh, in these, this slide is entitled Praise Effort Above All Other Traits. So within this, we have give accurate, authentic performance feedback. That's item number 13. Since a large uh, part of continued motivation is feedback, but be careful not to make it personal. They should change their behavior, not their self-worth as a result of constructive criticism. All right, and so uh, this goes in line with moving away from a uh, closed mindset to a growth mindset. Uh, people that have a, uh, a closed mindset uh, tend to shrink from criticism. And so uh, I think you know, always need to be delicate when you're uh, uh, correcting a student work. Um, just concentrate on what the student needs to do to improve next time and not make it personal. Uh, but sometimes uh, students need to be challenged to uh, work a little bit harder, maybe carve out some extra time to study. Uh, I always ask them, well, do you have a quiet place to study? Uh, is it away from distractions? Are you on your phone? Are you listening to music? Uh, and one of the brain rules that I read uh, from John Medina is that there really is no multi multitasking. <laughs> you really can't concentrate on more than one thing at a time. Number 14, relate achievement to student self-esteem. Uh, let's read this one. One teacher tells her students she likes how they are thinking every time they provide a good response. Um, this not only motivates her students to keep getting the right answer, but also to keep seek uh, to keep seeking praise for the way they use their heads. And so, I, you know, I kind of look at this as not uh, increasing their self-esteem, uh, but one of uh, praising their effort. Um, they may already have a self-esteem that is not great in terms of your subject. They may think, oh, I really suck at math or I really stink at uh, chemistry or algebra. Uh, and so 
stay away from saying, oh, you're really smart, of course, uh, but say, I really like your effort. Uh, you're improving your thinking. Uh, let's keep going. Okay. Number 15, stimulate sensory uh, cursory, uh, uh, sensory uh, curiosity, that's hard to say, uh, by making an abrupt change that will uh, per, uh, be perceived by the senses. Okay, And so that's an, another one of those brain rules that uh, John Medina was talking about, is that, um, that certain colors, certain uh, uh, certain environments lead themselves to uh, multiple uh, stimulation of the senses. And the more uh, that you can stimulate the, the senses, uh, the greater the encoding of the information that's, that's given. This is particularly true of emotional things. Um, and so uh, one of the examples that he gave was everybody can remember uh, where they were during uh, catastrophic events, like the uh, uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, probably a lot of y'all aren't old enough to remember that, but everybody remembers where they were when Kennedy shot. Uh, probably a, a better one to reference here is where were you uh, uh, on that September day uh, in uh, September. September 11th, you know, 9-11, uh, when the planes hit the World Trade Towers. So everybody can remember that. And so this this thing of evoking emotion uh, uh, sometimes helps memory. Uh, of course, you need to be careful of that, that you don't traumatize your students. Uh, but certainly by increasing the, uh, the, uh, the sensory atmosphere in your class, making it uh, very comfortable, uh, maybe having uh, nice lighting. Uh, I even have had teachers uh, put uh, scented, uh, you know, those uh, glide scented uh, uh, sticks into the wall so it's, the classroom smells nice. Uh, so there's all sorts of things that you can appeal to the sensory uh, uh, input uh, to increase learning as well. Okay, so this uh, section is called Problem Solve. Uh, Number 16 states, stimulate cognitive curiosity by presenting a problem or a question as a puzzle to be solved. Pose questions not only as opportunities for reward or humiliation, but as puzzles to be solved. Uh, draw out the right answer by asking multiple sub-questions of different students. Ask students to respond to each other's answers and make the con uh, conceptual investigation feel like a game or a riddle. Okay, so uh, this is one where I think you can use your own creativity uh, to present things in a way uh, that gets students' um, competitive juices flowing and also uh, get them to think a little bit outside of the box. Um, what occurred to me is, uh, you know, how, how could you uh, present uh, the, the data in different forms and have the students uh, uh, try to solve the problem in groups and maybe leave out some of the data uh, in you know different parts of data for each group so you don't give each student the entire uh, each group of students the entire data set and see how they come up with uh, theories and ways of solving a problem or a puzzle so and number 17 says, make clear the cause and effect relationship between what students are doing 
and the things that happen in real life. This is one way to do this. Always illustrate the concept at hand in another context uh, after the students have fully grasped it in the current context. This is uh, partially what word problems in math are for, uh, for how many ounces of cinnamon are in the muffins. But you can also point out the conversions are important for road trips in foreign countries, foreign currency calculations, and figuring out how much you get paid per hour as a freelance photographer. So um, these uh, things where you want to uh, relate them to real life situations where you can use the math to better understand or to solve problems excuse me, or to solve problems. So uh, those are really good ideas. Uh, problem solving is, is always a great way of presenting material. Uh, number 16 there, stimulate cognitive curiosity by presenting a problem or question as a puzzle to be solved. Um, if you've watched the other podcasts, uh, we talked about higher order thinking skills and we talked about the Disney approach or the uh, neuro-linguistic uh, plasticity <laughs> NLP approach uh, to uh, working problems. And in that, uh, he designed a process where basically you brainstormed, uh, uh, as the first step, you brainstormed solutions to problems. Uh, the second step was to come up with uh, possible uh, solutions and to analyze uh, the brainstorming processes, even either being practical or impractical, and they referred back to their own experience uh, solving problems and looked at the possible brainstorming solutions. And then the third step was to try out different solutions to see which ones were the most effective. And so that's kind of a, a generalized uh, a summary of that. Um, another uh, presentation was on uh, using comparative charts to help with higher order thinking. Uh, so uh, this whole thing of games and riddles are really good, but also I think to uh, stimulate good problem solving, you need to work on the thinking skills of your students and try to elevate that higher level, uh, uh, your lessons to have higher level thinking uh, activities. Okay, so this section is entitled Value the Process. Uh, and number 18 reads, enable students to believe that their work will be will lead to powerful effects. Students won't remember everything you teach them, such as the limited capacity of the human brain. <laughs> Tell me about it, brother. But the point is not to memorize every fact and concept. The point of school and homework is to cultivate an academic work ethic of sorts so that someday that million dollar idea won't be so hard to realize. And so I think this is a part of, of school is to realize that, uh, that the students will not remember most of what you teach them, but it's the process of making those neural, uh, neurons connect in the brain and the process of developing uh, the skills um, that can uh, later be used to solve more complex problems. And to, to let students know that, uh, you know, I've had a lot of kids tell me, I'm never going to use this. And, and I always say, well, that's probably true. But I ask them, are you ever going to have to solve a concept, uh, a, uh, a con? 
complex problem? And usually the answer is yes. And I said, well, the, the process of learning chemistry will help you to, to uh, solve complex problems later on in your life and developing those uh, learning skills, just like lifting weights. You know, you don't get stronger by lifting weights that you can already lift. You, you gain strength by, by struggling with the weights and lifting those heavy weights. And so uh, that's the whole process of learning. Number 19, allow learners to freely choose what they want to learn and how they will learn it. And so this whole thing of autonomous uh, learning, uh, having students have developed some uh, sense of autonomy in their learning uh, to, um, to take hold of their learning process and being responsible for it is extremely important. Uh, and the only way that you can develop that is by giving them some choices. Okay, so how developing a how to develop a love of learning, and one of the things is connect games with and learning. So that's number twenty. You'll agree that learning is fun. That's why you are a teacher. But how do you expect Marcus to feel the special thrill you feel when you sit down in front of your morning crossword or watch Jeopardy at night? Uh, the truth is, he does not feel the thrill when he gets a a new personal best in the eight hundred meter dash. And, and so try to, uh, it says here, try to connect this, his motivation on the track with this motivation in learning. Acing the test may not make him feel quite as good as winning the championship, but the two uh, drives are related. And so uh, this whole thing of relating learning to something that they already have been successful in and to try to get them to, uh, to feel a sense of satisfaction in improving their grades. Encourage students to compete against themselves, just as a runner, jumper, or thrower only competes, a, uh, may not only compete with others, but also tries to achieve a personal best. And so, you know, when I read these two, I was thinking, you know, to celebrate kids that may be not the best students in your class, there should be something that you can celebrate about that, that student's performance, even if it's just very little. Uh, little baby steps or little improvements and uh, I always kind of drew a graph and had uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 and if a kid went from a, from a 45 to a 55 I drew a line straight up. <laughs> I made that scale look really, uh, I, I did my numbers so the scale would make that that accomplishment look better than probably it was and so you can do little things like that, graph your your progress, uh, brag on them, even if they made a terrible grade, brag on one particular question where they excelled at. So encouraging students is is a really important thing. Uh, but also in that light, uh, realize that, you know, some days you just don't have it and just say, hey, you know, uh, you just had a bad test. Everybody has one. And I could always relate to <laughs> incidences where I was at school where I really stunk it up as well and just say, hey, it happens. Uh, and if they're an athlete or a cheerleader or, uh, you know, maybe maybe they're at work and, and you could just say, hey, having had a bad day at work and then the next day is perfectly great. Sometimes it just happens. Encourage students to compete against themselves. Uh, so say, hey, you know, next time, you know, try to do, you know, five points better or 10 points better. Try to study uh, an extra 30 minutes a night. 
uh, and see how that helps you. So this whole thing of encouraging and celebrating students um, is super important. Okay, this section is called Discuss Motivation in 22. So it's help students navigate the continuum, continuum of motivation. So they say intrinsic motivation isn't built in a day. Help extrinsically motivated students move from lack of motivation completely to integrating an intrinsic attitude into their work to performing well for the sake of performing well. Okay, so here, uh, I think, uh, and then the last part here on 23 says talk about it. Have students heard of extrinsic uh, versus intrinsic motivation? Simply making them aware of the differences might spark some useful discussion of the thought. And so um, I think that you, um, at least in my experience, uh, the overwhelming majority of students in the classroom are extrinsically motivated and probably the uh, number one thing that they're motivated by is grades. You know, they want to make that grade. And I think to get them away from that, although there's a temptation, especially, you know, with, uh, with parents and with other people at the school, you know, administrators and so forth, is they want to see that that progress in terms of students making great grades and certainly I think that that's important you know it's a it's a way of measuring how much students have learned but also I think that if you de-emphasize the grades and you emphasize learning the material and then learning the material to improve uh, a student's skill set uh, should be the focus. Uh, I used to teach AP chemistry and I always told the kids, I said, if you're going to worry about your grade every day, you are going to uh, miss a lot of chemistry. Um, and the whole thing is if you're just constantly needing that self-assurance that you're making a certain grade, uh, if you're so worried about making the grade that adds anxiety. Uh, it's another one of those brain rules by John Medina is that if you're nervous and anxious, uh, uh, you tend not to relax enough to learn the material. And so um, that is something that I think is very important. And talk about them, you know, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, is there something in my subject that you really want to learn and uh, you find interesting? Let's find that thing and let's work out a way that you can relax and learn that and uh, I'll even be able to help you maybe uh, earn some extra extra points towards something. I hate extra credit, but <laughs> maybe maybe that'd be the only case that I would ever <laughs> um, uh, be a proponent of it, but maybe there's some way that you can design your class where they can study something that they're super interested in uh, to learn the material and then they can be more intrinsically motivated and find joy in learning about something that they really like. I always told my, my friends, I said, I didn't ever get to study anything I wanted it to until graduate school. Now, how sad is that? <laughs> that is awful. You think about 12 years uh, going through K through 12, 12 years there, four years of high school there, 16 years, and then another four years in college, 20 years. So you have to study other people's stuff for 20 years before you actually ever get to study something that you really find interesting. Wow, that's awful. We got to change that. 
All right, enough proselytizing. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, so the title of this slide is Progress, Not Perfection. So that's what we always say in our house. We say we're not perfect, but we're working toward it and we're making progress. And so uh, 24 here, it says introduce soft opening between peers. And this is, comes from a, a study done with uh, girls that are ages 14 through 16 who watched a person throw darts perfectly 15 times in a row. And they were not as motivated as students who watched the person improve their skills over successful tries. And so this, uh, this thing of intrinsic motivation is funny because you want students to, to see that it is possible to work and to grow and that it is not somebody's natural ability that necessarily trumps. And so if they just see somebody doing it effortlessly and always hitting the bullseye, they start throwing darts themselves and they, they struggle with it, they're going to be discouraged. And so, uh, but if they see somebody making progress over time, over multiple attempts, uh, they will realize that it's part of the process. Uh, and then it says model intrinsic behavior yourself. Uh, educate, uh, demonstrate uh, this through their work. And so as you're working problems up on the board, as you're uh, going about your everyday activities, if you screw something up, say, hey, I screwed up and I'm going to work harder next time to improve that. It also takes some ownership for the students. You know, if they're not doing well in your class, you say, hey, you know, I need to work harder teaching you this material. So let's go back and let's work on it some more. And so I think that that's uh, very important as well. Uh, always. Uh, uh, think back to a program and they were interviewing Dwayne Wade. He was a, a really excellent basketballer. I think he played for the Miami Heat. And uh, one of the reporters said, well, you're so lucky because you're so naturally talented. And Dwayne kind of scoffed at that. And he goes, he goes, everybody in the NBA has a lot of natural talent. <laughs> what separates champions from the also-rans is how much effort that you put in, in in the gym. So I thought that that was a classic thing. You know, it's, you know, when you watch somebody that's really good at basketball, shoot that basketball, it seems effortless. You know, they hit all those shots and, you know, maybe they have a really good game and you go, man, that, that person's just really talented. Well, you don't see all the, uh, all the years that that player spent uh, out in the cold shooting basketball. And you don't see all the hours that that player uh, uh, had competing against superior competition and getting beat up and and being discouraged and then going back to the gym and shooting a hundred more shots after practice and all that extra effort and work and so I, I think that this intrinsic motivation should be one where you show that there is always a struggle involved in reaching higher heights and uh, celebrate that struggle you know celebrate the successes and failures of your students and say so you really don't learn a lot when you're uh, when you're just successful you learn a lot more uh, by overcoming obstacles and so I think that's a really good point uh, that is made in her uh, presentation here uh, so I have a question for you what are you doing to increase your intrinsic motivation of your students in your classroom uh, I'd be interested in seeing that in the comments below really enjoyed this uh, podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. I uh, hope to see you the next time. Peace.